Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> oh, man. So, every time Ernie asks me to preach, I always joke with him and tell him, yeah, I'll, let me read the scripture since we're doing a series on Luke. Let me read the scripture first and I'll let you know if I'm willing to preach that particular week. And this time, I kind of wish I would have done that. It's, it's a really difficult section of scripture. I don't know if you guys are following along in your, in your Bible reading, you know, what we're going to, what we're going to do each week and it's really tough. The worship team, and I had no idea that they were going to do this, um, talked about, uh, read, had you guys say John 3.16 out loud. It was awesome. Awesome. I loved hearing you guys do that. And when I start preparing a message, I start, I read the scripture, and I start, one of the things I do is I write down, okay, what questions does this section of scripture create? What questions do I have about this? And that kind of helps me, guide me in the path that maybe God wants me to go, because if Every time I preach, it's always about God's like working on something in my heart, something that I'm like dealing with in the moment or something that God's been trying to heal me in. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go there. And one of the questions that I wrote down was, does the scripture that we're going to go over today conflict with John 3.16? And, you know, maybe it's like my past church experience, my own you know, views on, on life, kind of how I'm hardwired. But the scripture is very, it's very challenging. It talks about heaven and like people who think they're going to make it to heaven might not. And it's kind of really harsh words that where God's like, I don't know where you came from. You can't come in here. And it's tough. It creates like it's a really big tension. And it might be a part of, and maybe some of you grew up uh, in some ch churches like what I did, what I grew up in. It was, there's like some legalism, a little bit of fire and brimstone. Anybody ever experienced any of that? All right. So today I'm going to try to bring the fire without the brimstone, because I don't think that's quite what Jesus meant in this section of scripture. Um, I was talking to my wife, and my wife and I grew up together. We, I was 16 when we met. She was 14, and we actually met at church camp. And she was in, she remembers one of the church camps that we went to. The, the theme of the camp was repent or burn, <laughs> right? So you want to terrify a bunch of teenage boys and girls, right? And it's a whole week of five days. Five days, all the theme, repent and burn. You do this, you're going to burn. You're going to do this, you're going to burn. You're going to do this, you're going to burn. It's like, man, terrifying. Like, just like I'm a teenage boy, just starting to get interest in, in girls, you know, and, you know, taking notice and, nope, lust of the eyes, you're going to burn. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, and there's things like that and that were kind of like, God kind of had to undo in my heart, and he still is undoing in my heart because they got in there. And as I was like working on the message, you know, I'm preparing, and I started like finding myself leaning towards legalism. And it's like, oh Lord, is that really what Jesus meant here? You know, and the, and the fire and brimstone and the fear and the condemnation and the shame, like 
it's easy for us as, as, as humans to bring that out and use that as a motivation. But how far in our relationship with Christ does that really motivate us? Like I found that it results in despair and disillusionment sometimes. Like there's certain uh, Christian faiths or faiths that believe that only a limited number of people are going to go to heaven. Like, man, I'm out. I know me. And I know God knows me. So if there's only a limited number of people are going to go to heaven, like how am I going to make it? Like I'm not. So why should I try? Why should I strive? Why should I push myself? Why should I repent? Why should I believe? You know, and I think we should spend, acknowledge the warnings and understand the warnings that are given to us in Scripture. It's important. It's in Scripture. We should know it. We should understand it. But sometimes people focus so much on how to mess up and how to screw up and what's not going to get you to the destination that you intend. And we should spend more time on focusing on how do we get there? What's the Lord saying? What's the path? How do I hear the Lord's voice? And I think that's what Jesus is constantly trying to tell us. I think living like that where we're just constantly focusing on where we don't want to go or we don't want to do, it'd be kind of like going on a road trip and you got Siri giving you directions and Siri's like, don't and don't turn there because you'll never get to where you want to go and don't turn there and don't turn there and don't turn there. And it could be completely overwhelming and we're going to get lost. But instead, we want Siri to give us the fastest path, the shortest distance to get, the, get us there in the exact amount of time. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Luke 13, 22 through 30 says, he, he's talking about Jesus, went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And taught, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Well, that's kind of scary. Sorry, I know you probably, we come to church on Sundays to get some encouragement. And then this is the section of scripture can be, oh, it's tough. It's terrifying. You know, we look at our lives, we're like, man, like, is he going to say that to me? Like, I thought he loved me. I thought... So today we're going to try to navigate what Jesus was trying to say to, to, in that situation and to us today. Now it is tough reading that. Many will seek to enter but can't. The master of the house is going to shut the door. We're going to bang on the door and not get let in. Wake. It's God. Like, how could God not know where we come from? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
We're going to see others in heaven, but we won't be able to be there with them. We'll see people in heaven that we didn't expect to be there. You know, it made me think of all like the fights people have on social media. I don't know if you've ever partaken in any of those, but like we can convince ourselves like that person's never going to make it. Maybe they'll be there. I don't know. Those who are different from us, north, south, east, west, there's a chance that somebody who wronged us, our enemy, our nemesis, our bully, they might be there. It's kind of hard to wrap our brains around. Like I had a bully, I had a bully growing up. He was pretty, it was pretty rough, junior high. Um, until one day he decided to try to beat me up and it was just me and him. And it didn't work out the way he intended. So then um, he would only mess with me in front of his friends. And I would see him in the hallway if he was by himself. What's up, man? His name was Skipper. Um, you know, and I, you got to give it to him now. I probably think I've talked about this in the past. Like, with a name like that, you either got to be the bully or get bullied, right? So I'd see him in the hallway. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? And he wouldn't look at me. And then when he was with his friends, he would, you know, talking trash, and his friends would be yelling, you know, whatever, the junior high thing. And I didn't figure it out until later. But it was kind of like a life lesson that I had in that because of that situation was even like the alpha males or the people who think they're the alpha males are not immune to intimidation. So I kind of shouldn't have, but I played that game quite, quite a bit with him as we, were, as we grew up. But we look at the, question, the next question of the person who asked Jesus, Lord, will those who are saved be few? In verse 23. And the question, like, what's really, what's really being asked here? Now, back then in the Jewish culture, like all the Jews believe they were, God, they were God's chosen people, which the Bible says they are, and they believe they had automatic access to heaven. But Jesus came along and, along and saying, you got to believe in me, you got to repent, repent or perish, strive to enter through the narrow door. So it kind of turned some of those beliefs that the Jews at that time had on their heads. You know, as the person might have been asking, am I going to make it? Like, are, are they going to make it? Like, what are, you, what are you trying to say here, Lord? You know, the person wanted to know, like, what are my, what are my chances? I had to do the math. You know, we want to start a new project. We're doing the math. Like, what are the chances of getting this completed? You know, a, a trial for a sports team. Like, how many people, coach, how many people are going to get cut? You know, what's the return on my investment? And Jesus, because he knows what we need better than we need, than we know, he said, he answered the person instead of the question. And I think what Jesus was telling him there was building on things that he'd already previously preached and he'd already previously spoken about himself. himself. That the way through the narrow door requires what? It requires us to believe. It requires us to repent. And it requires us to strive. Belief in Jesus is required. 
according to the scriptures, that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go, <clears throat> excuse me, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That is where I am, that you may be also. Like Jesus wants us in heaven with him. The section of scripture in, John thir- or in Luke 13 is not about him not wanting us there. He wants us there. And we need to believe in Jesus. And at the same time, we need to believe that he believes in us and wants a relationship with us. And repentance is needed. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Chad talked about repentance. In Luke 13, 5, it says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And striving is expected. What we just read, Luke 13, 24, strive to enter through the narrow door. Belief is required, repentance is needed, and striving is expected. I think that's what Jesus was trying to say here. And repentance and striving require belief, right? Like, if I don't believe in something, I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm not going to change my behavior for something I don't believe in. I'm definitely not going to strive. I'm not going to work towards it without belief. Belief is the most important part, the first part. Believe, repent, and strive. And I love, like, the lessons that Jesus gives us, you know, through the Gospels and the other lessons in the Bible. Like, like our current culture would make us think that, like, Scripture's not relevant to the life that we're living right now. But you look at this, believe, repent, and strive. Like, that... Any goal we have, anything we want to accomplish, like, that's relevant. Like, if I want to run a marathon, which I have no interest in ever running a marathon, (laughs) I have to first believe that I can and convince myself that with proper preparation, I can run that marathon. I have to repent of certain behaviors and certain lifestyle choices, right? How I eat, how I work out, not lift weights and run instead, which is not what I'm interested in doing, but I have to repent of behaviors to reach that goal. And then to be able to reach the goal of running the marathon, I have to strive. I have to get up in the morning and run. I have to do the training runs. I have to follow the diet. I have to like, do those things in order, in order to accomplish my goal. And it goes full circle, right? Sometimes I'll get off the diet or don't want to run, the one, run one day, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can ever make this. And then we say, believe again, or believe a little bit more. I can, I can do this. I can, run, I can run that marathon. And then we examine our behaviors and our habits and our disciplines and repent and change how we're doing things. And then we strive again until we reach that goal. These lessons from Scripture are so relevant to real life, to our, to, not to real life, but to the lives we're living. It's all 
intermingled with scripture and our spiritual lives and our physical lives. And God wants us to be successful spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And he gives us paths and on how to do that. So let's go back to belief. We have to believe that there is a God and he is good. John 3.16, right? We have to believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know Ernie talked about it a little bit last week that belief and faith, they go hand in hand. And like I believe that everybody in this room is wearing clothes. Although I can't see all the way in the back. But I can see that. It's easy to believe because we can see it. We can look around. I can look around and see like, hey, everybody's wearing clothes. But to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for our sins and rose again, that requires faith. But it's something that as we believe and we get to know the Lord, like our faith grows and we know it in our hearts. And sometimes believing something about God or believing about something that God wants us to do is like super scary. In 2 Samuel 6, there's a story about a guy named Obed-Edom. And he agrees to take the Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of God's, where God dwelled during the Old Testament, into his house. But the reason he was asked to take the Ark of the Covenant into his house is because King David, man after God's own heart, you know, the guy who established the kingdom of Israel forever, like God was God's guy, wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant from where it was at to his town, his neighborhood. And they didn't do it exactly the right way. And the oxen who were pulling the cart that the Ark of the Covenant was in stumbled a little bit. And this guy named Uzziah, I, th- I believe it was, reached out and put his hand on the Ark of the Covenant and God killed him. He didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall. That was his motivation. But he didn't follow the right process. They didn't follow the right process in how the Ark of the Covenant was to be transported, and he died. And that freaked out King David. And again, wrote most of the Psalms. You know, God established his kingdom in him. Man after God's own heart was too scared to continue transporting the Ark of the Covenant. So he came to another guy and said, hey, I'm scared to do this. This thing just killed a guy. Like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Can we keep this thing at your house? And Obed-Edom had faith and said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And he did some research and had access to the right people so they could store the Ark of the Covenant in the right place, in the right way, and in the right place. And God blessed him. Like God only needs a little bit of faith to bless. And then our faith gets bigger and the blessings become bigger. And King David ended up hearing about how much Obed-Edom was blessed and was like, oh man, like, I need to go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it to my house. And 
This time, they did the research. They got the right people involved. They did it in the right way and got the Ark of the Covenant to where King David wanted it to be. But I don't think the blessings for Obed-Edom, who had that little bit of faith to be like, okay, I know that this whole situation just killed somebody, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it, I'll handle it. I think God continued blessing him, even though the Ark of the Covenant wasn't with him. And then in Mark 9, 23 and 24, it talks about a guy who's desperately trying to get his son, have Jesus heal his son. The disciples pray over him, try to heal him, doesn't work. Jesus comes. And this man prays probably one of the most heartfelt, genuine prayers in the entire Bible. And Jesus says to him, all things are possible for he who believes. And the man responded with, I believe, help my unbelief. We struggle with faith. We struggle with belief. God's not mad at you. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to be like, help my unbelief. Grow my faith. Belief is the first and most important aspect of our faith journey, but it doesn't stop there. Next is repent. I said it before, a couple minutes ago, I'll say it again. That in Luke 13, 5, it says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And the definition of repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. It's more than just saying, sorry, sorry. Like, I've had my battles with things where, all right, sorry, Lord, I'm never going to do that again. And it's like, next day. Next day, I'm angry while driving. Next day, I'm annoyed with whatever. And then it's the saying I'm sorry and then the turning away. We battle addiction, the turning away from that. It's turning away from believing that I need it. It's turning away from our triggers. It's maybe turning away from people. It may be turning to people who can help us. That's repentance. We all know who Paul is from the Bible, wrote much of the New Testament. Like he was hated the Christians, persecuted the Christians. The first Christian martyr, Stephen, got stoned. Paul didn't throw the rocks, but he held the coats of the guys who did. And then he had instructions to go to other places and other towns to persecute Christians. And Jesus came to him and said, Paul, basically in modern day terms, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And in that moment, Paul he realized who Jesus was. He repented from his beliefs about Christians, his beliefs that went from thinking that Christianity should be crushed and opposed and silenced to being one of the biggest speakers for Christ ever. Every, like millions of churches every Sunday read his words. Paul captured how to Believe, repent, and how to strive. Now, striving is to make 
great efforts to achieve or obtain something. Great efforts to achieve or obtain something. It means we gotta, we gotta work, we gotta be dis- disciplined. Is that what you're following Jesus looks like? Do you know anybody who follows Jesus like that? You know, striving is when we stop thinking about writing the book and write the book. When we stop researching the best diet out there and just do, a, do the diet. When you know, we want to go to Nepal and see Mount Everest. Striving is the men and women who climb it. That's striving. And it's necessary to strive after Christ because there are so many obstacles in the way. The world, the devil is an obstacle. Some people, the devil doesn't really mess with because we're kind of self-destructing our own lives on our own, so he doesn't really have to mess with us. But if we're following Christ, we've got a target on our back. The devil tries to put obstacles in every way he can. Like for me, it's like take every thought captive. Take every, that's like I, I, something new that God's like, I thought I did, and then I realized I'm not. And that's what I'm striving with right now, is taking my thoughts captive. Striving me, literally means to agonize. We must agonize to overcome these struggles. Striving is telling God every day, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. Imagine if we lived our life, like from the moment we accepted Christ and every single day we said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. And we did that. Like where would God, where would God lead us? Who would we know? Who would we meet? Who would we impact? Who would we be? In Genesis 32, it talks about Jacob, who lied a lot, messed up a lot of things, but ended up getting to where he started to seek after the Lord, and it's the story about him wrestling with God all night. And he's wrestling, and the God, God or Jesus or the angel, they're not super specific about who, who, who exactly it's wrestling. He's wrestling, but it does say in certain spots that he was wrestling with God, that it says, the sun's coming up, let me go. And Jacob's like, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. That's striving. Striving is about finishing well. You know, most in our faith, in certain aspects of life, in our jobs, in our school, whatever, like we start really well, but do we always finish well? And Jesus finished the best. In Matthew 26, right before he went to the cross, he prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus strived to do whatever God wanted him to do. And he finished the best, so we should strive to serve the Father like he did. So we look at our life, and if we want success, we gotta believe, we gotta repent, we gotta strive. If we wanna live our life according to God's will, we gotta believe, we gotta repent, we have to strive. We want to enter through the narrow door, believe, repent, Strive. And while I was studying that script, the scripture for today, 
I kind of always had it when God's like, I don't know you, and you can see into heaven and stuff like this. It's kind of like picture kind of showed up in my head while I was reading it and just imagined like people trying to get into heaven who like think they made it and they're, you know, kind of running around the outside of heaven or right outside of heaven and there's big walls and a gate and there's this giant beautiful gate and they can see through the gate and they see people inside and they see people that, some people that they know and some people that they don't and some people they didn't expect to be there and they're yelling but the people on the inside can't, can't hear them. And they try to climb the gate and they can't. And off in the distance there is a door, a small door, a narrow door with a rocky path leading up to it. And they just kind of ignore that door, like they're focused on the gate, uh, the beautiful gate. And they, but there's a, a person off in the distance, kind of walking on this narrow path, this rocky path towards the narrow door. And it gets the attention of some of the people who are trying to get into heaven through the beautiful gate. And they're just watching this guy, and he's limping, but he looks determined. And he gets to that narrow door, and he goes right in. And so these people that are trying to get in just book it towards the narrow door. But when they get there, they find the door's closed. And they start banging on the door, and they're like, let us in, let us in. And the master, God, comes, to, comes up and says, like, who are you? And like, oh, we went to church and we did good things and we were good, we were good people and like we should get in. Like we earned this. And I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you came from. I don't know where you've been. And they're like, and somebody speaks up and says, like, Lord, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I thought this was just the door for the servants. And God's like, you're absolutely right. The narrow door is the door for the servants. Believe, repent, strive. Most of you know we lost a, a dear brother um, in our congregation a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was one of our everything that was going on, he was here to volunteer. He's a good friend, and he went on to be with the Lord, and I found out um, just the other day that every day he would read Psalm 119, 33 through 40. And I think it has something to do with striving and seeking after the Lord every day. And it says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the repro reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. 
in your righteousness, give me life. I think if we read this section of scripture every day, I think we go a long way towards moving us towards striving after the Lord in everything we do. So I'd like all of you to commit to reading this. Psalm 119, 33 through 40. Read it every day during your quiet times. And last week, Ernie challenged you to pray every hour on the hour. He said in the prayer, say, Lord, thank you, I'm yours. Help me see. Let me see who is asking. Who is God, I'm sorry. Ask yourself, who is God asking you to see? And ask yourself, what is God asking you to say? And I'd just like to challenge you to add to that. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. I think that ver- those verses and that prayer, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm in, will help immensely in helping us find the way through the narrow door. And as the worship team is coming out, we're going to have people up front to pray. We're going to have people in the back to pray with you. And if you guys need prayer for anything, I invite you to go and pray. If it's something specific to this message or anything you need, we've got people here for you.